We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good morning and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman. And today we are talking conference previews. We're starting our annual conference previews. And we were, are starting down south in the SEC where it just means more. Uh, but first, we have a, a word from our folks over at Sports Drink. Today's episode of the Hoosier Huddle Podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on social media. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink, spelled like sportsdrink without the vowels. All that we ask is you close the door behind you because we're trying not to let the funk out well tj it's that time of year again and um you know we're going to start in the sec where uh you know where 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 it just means more so usually we save the sec for right before the big 10 but this year we're, we're leading it off uh there's you know, a couple themes in the SEC that, that I want to talk about. One is, is it going to be Alabama and Georgia again? Can Texas A&M jump into that group? Um, and then what I'm actually really excited about is how teams three through 13 are going to play. Now, my wife graduated from Vanderbilt uh, with a graduate degree, so I always have a soft spot for, um, for the Commodores down in Nashville. But uh, teams three through 13, I, I think, are going to provide a lot of excitement in the SEC. Now, they might not go to the national title game and, and college football playoff, but uh, that's what makes college football great, in my opinion, is these regular season games between rivals um, that really mean a lot. So we'll touch on those. We'll uh, – give our teams games to watch that aren't involving teams named Alabama and Georgia against each other. And, uh, mm -hmm. and then we'll, we'll pick a, a road trip destination, maybe talk a little bit about LSU and Florida with new coaches as well. So let's get down. First question. Is it going to be Alabama and Georgia again for the, I don't know, 10 millionth time? Right. Yeah, I, I think that um, picking anything differently would be foolish. I mean, you have to continue to pick those two squads to win the division until somebody proves otherwise. Um, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of the Patriots with the AFC East. You know, every year you would get all oh, of the Dolphins, you know, they're they're feeling good or or 
you know, the, the Jets were feeling good. But more times than not, the Patriots would be the, the pick in the AFC East because ultimately they figure out a way to get it done. Um, with Alabama and Georgia, it's even a little bit easier. There's no salary cap here, just recruiting. And those two squads continue to recruit the best. Therefore, they continue to win. Um, now, I do think that we have to mention Texas A&M is really threatening to break up that monopoly at the top of the league uh, thanks to, you know, I, I guess we can call it what it is, NIL money coming in at really levels that nobody else is matching quite yet. Um, and they've been able to secure the top recruiting class, but yeah, that they're still just going to be freshmen. Um, and that's just even the guys that are on campus already. So um, I think that they are still a bit away from being able to, to threaten Alabama and Georgia, those, those 800 pound gorillas at the top of this conference. So yeah, I think you have to say the picks are still those two. Of course, they lost a lot from last season's teams. They always do. And guess what? There's other guys ready to step in. Uh, so I, I, I think that it's a clear one, two uh, headed for Atlanta in the SEC title game. Really the question, as you said, for the SEC comes in, who's right behind that? And is there a third team ready to try and take a shot for the college football playoff? Is there a third team, a second one from the West probably is what we're looking at, that's ready to maybe go 11 and one and have a legitimate claim to the college football playoff uh, behind the SEC winner. I think it's possible, um, but I, I, I personally don't think that Texas A&M is ready to challenge it just yet. Yeah, well, yeah, what gives you kind of hope that Texas A&M can challenge is they did knock off Alabama last year with a, a backup court, quarterback and things like that. But this is – the schedule flips a little bit, um, inverts itself. The, Texas A&M has to go to the, – they have to go to Alabama. They have to go to Auburn. And the Alabama there's, – there's four, four games on that schedule between September 21st and October 22nd, including a, an open week that are away from college station. Um, yep. You know, they, they play Arkansas in Arlington and then they go at Mississippi state at Alabama, out South, South Carolina. Now, Texas A&M, while they beat Alabama last year, still finished eight and four and unranked. Uh, they opted out of the bowl game a after uh, some COVID issues as well. So can you, can you hope that they, they beat Alabama? Um, they don't get a shot at Georgia in the regular season. Uh, their crossovers are Florida and South Carolina. Um, so, so not, not terrible crossovers, but yeah. also you're going to have to go. I don't know if you, if you go 11 and one, do you have enough? to and lose to Alabama do you have enough to be a non-SEC division champion to make it um as either the second playoff team or um 
or a third SEC playoff team, which I, I don't really want to think about because that's I just I no conference needs three people in the playoff. Um, Georgia loses a ton. Uh, I think they had like 15 NFL draft picks uh, off that defense. They get Oregon to open open the year in Atlanta. Um, and then after that, their schedule is not that hard. Um, you know, you got trips to South Carolina, Missouri. You get Florida and Jacksonville, and you have to go to Mississippi State and Kentucky. And we'll talk about that middle of the pack here soon. Uh, but, you know, again, it comes down to a strength of schedule as well for Georgia. If they drop a game in the regular season and lose to Alabama in the SEC title game, do they get, you know, the benefit of the doubt of playing in the SEC East uh, and, you know, being a, a two-loss uh, a two-loss team getting into the playoff? Or if they go 12-0 and 0 in, the, in the regular season and Alabama beats them in the SEC title game, do they, at 12-1, and 1, do, do they have – you know, enough on that resume to, to, to make it to the playoff as well. So it's, that's going to be interesting, but it's still the, like you said, those two and maybe Texas A&M play, plays a little bit of a role uh, in there. Let's talk about the middle of the pack. And it's really not the middle of the pack. It's the rest of the conference besides Vanderbilt. I, I think you have a lot of parity this year. And it's not that everybody's stinks. I think everybody's pretty good. Um, and that's not just saying that they're, they're in the SEC. Um, you, you have Texas A&M. Yeah, so going three through 13, you have like Arkansas, Ole Miss. LSU should be pretty good. Um, Mississippi State. We'll see what Auburn does. Uh, Kentucky is could challenge Georgia in the East. Uh, Tennessee is, is right there with Kentucky as well. Uh, Florida is going to probably be a, a rebuilding year. Uh, and then South Carolina with Spencer Rattler, uh, if he plays how he did at Oklahoma uh, it, early in his career, they're going to be tough. Um, we'll see what Missouri does and, and whatever. Vanderbilt's going to do whatever Vanderbilt does. But Seeing how those teams affect the playoff race, can they knock off uh, Alabama or Georgia on, on, during the regular season? It is going to be a lot of uh, a lot of excitement, in my opinion. I know you're a big big on Arkansas, um, but I think Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, Arkansas, Ole Miss should be fun to watch as well. So it, it's going to be a heck of a year in the SEC. Yeah, you mentioned Arkansas. I'll, I'll get to them in a minute. Um, but, you know, Ole Miss really hit the transfer portal hard and by all accounts uh, brought in a lot of good weapons and good pieces to that uh, to that Lane Kiffin attack. Uh, the question for them is going to be a quarterback. You know, can they find a quarterback that's going to come close to what Matt Corral gave them? Um, I think that that's iffy. Uh, Jackson Dart, coming from USC, um, definitely struggled in the spring. Um, I think that it's very possible he loses out 
to Luke Altmaier. Um, and if, if that's the case, you know, what's the ceiling for Ole Miss? Mississippi State bringing back uh, a quarterback that, uh, you know, knows Mike Leach's system. And typically the third year in the Mike Leach system is kind of when a, a team can hit pay dirt. They are one of the most veteran teams in the country, have a bunch of super seniors on their two deep. That's enticing. Are they talented enough? We know they're veterans. We know that they're experienced. We know that they are in the Mike Leach system and that that works. The question is, is there a talented enough base level for them to take a step up? Um, Auburn, I'm, I'm skeptical on Auburn. A lot of off-field drama. It uh, definitely seems like Brian Harson is going to have to pull off a miracle to get the boosters off his back and keep his job. I'm not sure what Auburn wants, but I don't think it's Brian Harson. Um, and then, you know, you go to the East. I think Tennessee fans are incredibly excited. You They're can crack excited. jokes. Yeah, I mean, you can crack jokes if you want to. Um, but I think that there is legitimate reason for optimism. Uh, Josh Heupel has proven to be a very good offensive coach. Um, and, you know, they're returning quite a bit. They added a good recruiting class. They've added some good stuff through the portal. I, I think that there's a reason for them to think that they can be that second team in the East. I don't think they're ready to challenge Georgia. Uh, but definitely feels like Tennessee is on the way up. Um, Kentucky has turned themselves into an incredibly solid program, uh, but yeah, Will Levis, very good quarterback. The question for me is going to be, do they have enough explosiveness on offense to win games against teams that are more talented than they are? Um, so I, I come back to Arkansas, and I guess this could be where I differ from everybody else. Um, I like the Razorbacks to finish second in the West. Um, season win total for them is between seven, seven and a half, depending on you know where you're looking. Uh, I like them to go over that by quite a bit. I nine or ten wins for me for Arkansas. Uh, KJ Jefferson is a dual threat quarterback. I love Kendall Bryles' offense. I think it's a lot of fun to watch. They do have some questions at wide receiver. Um, lost a couple of offensive weapons to the NFL. But, look, they had four 500-yard rushers last season, the top rushing team in the SEC. They get back four offensive linemen that started last season. Uh, the only loss was a left tackle that they feel good about the guys that they have that can step in there. Uh, very experienced team. I, I think Arkansas is one of the more fun teams to watch for me, and I, I don't know why that is, um, but I, I, I enjoy watching them. And I think a lot of it is the atmosphere there. Um, it's really the only game in town. I mean, in that state, Arkansas is the University of Arkansas. That's it. Uh, the Razorbacks, they're crazy about them. And the schedule is really fun. Uh, they open yep. up against Cincinnati, which is going to be, you know, one to watch for Indiana fans. Uh, that's Saturday on at 3.30 on ESPN on the 3rd. Uh, then they 
take on Spencer Rattler and South Carolina and then Missouri State, which whatever. Uh, so, you know, a, a couple of tests there early in the season, but still games I think Arkansas is going to be favored in. So you're looking at hopefully for a Razorback fan, 3-0. and And then the big one for the SEC West kind of sets up how that division race is going to play out versus Texas A&M in Arlington. They beat Texas A&M last season. And then at home against Alabama. Uh, after that, at Mississippi State. And then a fun game at BYU. Uh, that's, I mean, it's a picturesque atmosphere. And that's a really good fan base. That it, That's not going to be an easy game. You know, that's a good program. They're bye week. They're at Auburn. So again, that's a you know a stretch of four out of five games away from home. Liberty, not a bad program whatsoever, uh, but they'll be a bit rebuilding on offense, I think. But Hugh Freeze will have that being a pretty good team. LSU at home, Ole Miss at home, at Missouri. So yeah, I, I South Carolina, Missouri are the crossovers. I, I like how it sets up for Arkansas to take another step up under Sam Pittman, get into that second spot in the SEC West over Texas A&M. Uh, so I think that's probably my my bold prediction, which for the SEC, you know, I'm not going as bold as, oh, they're ready to take over for Alabama. Certainly not. Uh, but I do like them to be kind of a, a New Year's Six type team. Yeah, the, the th- you know, we'll find out uh, that SEC – West race really early, it seems like, by mid-October. Alabama plays Texas A&M October 8th. uh, And like you said, Arkansas on October 1st. You're going to – or you're going to figure it out within those three weeks of September 24th to October 8th, who who has a stranglehold on that on that race. If it's between those three teams, uh, you'd think the team that went two and one or three and oh is really going to have uh, an advantage and, and going to the East uh, a little bit. I don't, I, I Kentucky is, is good. Um, but they're going it, to, it just feels like they, they can't, get over that hump a little bit. They, they lost to Tennessee last year, which kind of held them back. Um, they have a really good running back in Chris Rodriguez. They did lose three starters on the offensive defensive lines. And, and that's tough to replace in the SEC. But um, it, man, it's just going to be a fun, fun time watching the middle of these uh, you know, the, these other teams in the SEC, uh, you know, especially, you know, you, you look at IU's open week with, hey, let's watch some games. The October 29th games in the SEC are awesome. And we went over this in a text yesterday, TJ. There are a lot of awesome games on October 29th. So if yeah. you're an IU fan looking for games to watch on the open week, you had there it, it might be a two or three tv day um but on that october 29th you got florida georgia which i hasn't really been close in the last couple of years and then lsu or sorry 
Um, and then you have Kentucky and Tennessee, which could determine who's second in the East. Um, and, and if somebody could beef, if somebody could upset Georgia, which it could happen, um, then it, it's going to be all bets are off because Georgia has to go to to Kentucky November nineteenth, and they get Tennessee on November fifth. Um, We'll see. It's going to be – I think it's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, let's go division winners, TJ, uh, real quick, because it's it's sounding like it's going to be Alabama and Georgia for whatever time in a row, uh, for the second time in a row, and at least like the third time in four years. Um, yeah. So I, I, I would take – until somebody knocks off Alabama in the West, until somebody can consistently knock off Georgia in the East, those are the two teams I'm picking. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Um, I do think that teams in the East might be feeling like there is some vulnerability uh, with the Bulldogs, with them, you know, maybe a tad bit of complacency sets in in the offseason after you win a national title. Um, I think that they avoid that probably because it's going to be pretty easy for Kirby Smart to look around and say, look, uh, a lot of you guys you didn't start during that. You know, we're only returning 10 starters from that that team. So different team, different season. Uh, but maybe a little bit of complacency sets in. Um, and I, I do think that, you know, Stetson Bennett has proven he's a good quarterback, uh, but he, he's not an, a, a great quarterback. Um, so I think maybe a bit of vulnerability that SEC East teams, but I don't think anybody in that division is ready to take advantage of that. So definitely those two are the pick uh, for me. Um, I would say Georgia with an over under of 11 and a half tells you exactly what the people in Vegas think of that schedule uh, that Georgia has. It's incredibly manageable. So um, I I don't really see any rational reason to pick anybody else. Yeah, it's just Georgia was so historically good on defense last year that you don't – even if they're really good this year, it's hard to replicate. Um, They still have some some really good guys coming back on defense, but it's going to be hard to replicate. And they had some – I mean, they, they beat Clemson by a touchdown last year, and then everybody else, they blew out of the water. So maybe even if they regress to the mean a little bit on defense, maybe they instead of winning by 40 points, they win by 30 points. Um, but that, that's, yeah, until somebody knocks those two off, they're going to be my pick. Uh, getting to games to watch, TJ, and games to watch with a caveat. You cannot pick a championship game of Georgia and Alabama. Um, and if you really want to up the, up the uh, difficulty, you know, pick a game that doesn't involve Georgia or Alabama. Yeah. Um, I think I tipped my hand a little bit earlier. Arkansas, Texas A&M. Uh, I think that that is a battle for second place in the West. And I think that the winner of that game 
sets himself up to be the primary challenger to the Crimson Tide. Uh, Arkansas gets to host Alabama. So, you know, again, I, I do think that that's a critical game. Um, and really, I think a very important one for Jimbo Fisher because with the amount of money that people are investing into that program, they're going to expect significant results very quickly. Uh, you don't, you don't throw that money at players the way that they are and expect to be okay finishing eight and four. So I think that the, the Aggies and their faithful are going to be looking for a bounce back season for what was ultimately pretty disappointing for them last season. Um, so I think that's a really important game. Uh, the only negative, I kind of hate that it's at Arlington. Uh, that's a, a cool atmosphere with those two fan bases that are close to that location, but still always prefer the, the home and home uh, settings. The Really, the only other one that I would kind of tip is going to be uh, Tennessee and Florida. Um, again, that's one early on in the season. It's week four for the Vols. Uh, Florida coming in with the new coach, Billy Napier. Anthony Richardson is a really good quarterback that could take a next step up this season and kind of insert himself into, you know, top 10 quarterback in the country type conversation. Uh, and if he does that, that's a dangerous Florida team. You know, if Anthony Richardson is playing at a superstar level, which he showed flashes of last season, then at, you know, Florida becomes a bit of a different animal. And that's a game that's at home in, in Tennessee. They'll be expected to win that, but they're going to have to play well to do it. And if Florida goes in, in the first year of Billy Napier's tenure and wins that game, that's going to be a, a real blow uh, to Tennessee. If the volunteers get that one, you know, they set themselves up to be 4-0 going into their off week. After that, they're at LSU uh, and then hosting Alabama. So, you know, a chance there to, to be going 5-0 and with the Crimson Tide coming to town on October 15th. So I, that's just a little shout to the SEC East in a game that um, I think just has program implications, not necessarily – title implications for this season. Yeah, I'm going to go um, – I'm going to pick uh, Kentucky and Tennessee. That's that's my pick. Kentucky's coming off a 10-win year. Will Levis is kind of a dark horse Heisman, uh, Heisman contender. If he has another yeah. great year, he, he'll be in that conversation. Yeah, so He's getting NFL like first round draft buzz, which is uh, crazy. I mean, saw him at, at Penn State, and I would not have bet any sum of money that that was going to come to fruition. Uh, but props to him, and kudos to Kentucky for developing him. And I mean, he's earned it. He's really good, and uh, it's it's cool to see players develop like that. Yeah, if uh, I, I think that's gonna this game is going to determine who finishes second in the, in the East. Um, it, it's again, it's during IU's open week last year, Tennessee won on the road at Kentucky. 
45-42. I think it's going to be another high-scoring game uh, between these two. Hopefully, it's a lot like the Music City Bowl last year. That It was just back and forth and back and forth at the end. I think there was like eight lead changes the last four minutes, and it was awesome. Um, but it, it's two teams that don't really – haven't been in the spotlight all that much uh, in the last, you know, decade or two. So it, it's that – it's a nice SEC matchup. It's an open week. And there's going to be, you know, a, maybe a division a division title on the line because Kentucky does host Georgia on, on November 19th. So if they could get through uh, in, in good shape uh, until October 29th, that that game's going to be at, at Neyland Stadium. It's it's going to be big time atmosphere. Yep, that's a solid choice. I mean, there's so many good games; it's impossible to narrow down. But I, I think we did a good job of going a bit off the beaten path, and, and you know, show you guys like, look, any week that you turn on this conference, you're going to find some really good games, some really good atmospheres. Uh, I know it's cliche and it is uh, a bit overbearing the SEC love that goes on nationally, but there is a reason for it. Like it, it's there's a lot of really really good programs and really fun atmospheres to watch uh, on TV. Pretty much every week, you're going to get something uh, that's going to be worth your time. Yeah, uh, and I am. Also, we're going to go now, TJ, two big programs have new coaches this year. You alluded to it with Billy Napier at Florida, and you have um, Brian Kelly going down to LSU. Uh, He he left Notre Dame last year before the Fiesta Bowl, uh, goes down to LSU. It's kind of shocking, but not shocking. Um, Those two, LSU – Got rid of Ed Ogeron after last or during last season, um, but they they fired him during the season, let him finish out the season. But they're just two years removed from having the best offense in college football history and at winning a national title. Florida is two seasons removed from an SEC championship game per, uh, appearance. How long do these programs take the bounce back? Will they have the patience? I know LSU might not have the patience, um, but does Florida have the patience to give Billy Napier a chance, uh, you know, before tearing it back down and going to find the next thing in coaching? Uh, LSU is the same way. I think they have enough talent to to maybe bounce back a little bit, um, get to a better bowl than the Texas bowl. But, you're in that SEC West, and even if you're a good team, you could still finish sixth or seventh in that division. Yeah. Uh, that was such an interesting move culturally. Um, initially, you look at it and you're like, man, Ed Ogeron, perfect fit culturally for LSU. And look, regardless of anybody's feelings about Ed Ogeron as a head coach or that hire, that was a success. They won a national title under Ed Ogeron. 
That's a success. Now, they clearly believed this is not a long-term success. Things are already slipping. And apparently, uh, if you believe the rumors, it was not a program that was run efficiently um, or as one would expect a major college football program to be operated. Um, so they go out and get a true, you know, CEO of a program in Brian Kelly. It, it on its face, it does make a ton of sense. Brian Kelly, incredibly successful at Notre Dame. Um, uh, so he chooses to go to LSU, a place with really no limitations on the types of guys you can recruit, the types of guys you can land, and the type of program you can have. At LSU, the ceiling is national titles. And it, it was unclear whether or not that's the ceiling at Notre Dame, or if the ceiling is top five, but not number one. Um, not saying that it can't happen, but I think Brian Kelly clearly felt I, I've taken it as far as I can. So an interesting move that makes sense, though, for both sides. The question is going to be for both Brian Kelly and Billy Napier, can you recruit at the level you have to recruit to be successful in the SEC? Um, you are swimming with the absolute biggest of fish trying to get the same pool of players. Um, this year, I don't think that LSU is going to be very good. Uh, I think that they'll be probably a bit more buttoned up than last season. I think that they will have less kind of hurting themselves than they did last season, but I still don't think that the talent level uh, is all that high, uh, comparatively speaking, when you look at the rest of the conference. Florida, I kind of feel the same way, but I think that they've got a better starting point at quarterback than LSU does. Um, I kind of, I think that Bill and Napier will have Florida in a pretty good position um, this season to, to improve from last year, get into maybe a seven and five type record. Uh, I, I, LSU, I'd be fairly surprised if they can, um, do much better than, uh, personally, I've got them six and six. Um, uh, but I think that the main reason for that is I do not see, the offensive difference makers at LSU right now. And that's something that, that Brian Kelly has to get corrected really quickly because that fan base is not going to be patient. No, um, they're not, especially if you go six and six in your first season. I, I, I know right. that might be a realistic, you know, for a rational human being, but you're dealing with an irrational group of human beings, um, you know, when it, when it comes well, to, to boosters and, and all that stuff, six and like six. The opener, the opener is against another program that, that 
feels like they should be much better than where they're at right now. Florida State opening in New Orleans. Yep. You know, why Florida State schedules that game, I have no clue. Um, but they're opening on Sunday night uh, in in the Superdome against Florida State. That's a game that LSU really should win. Yep. And their other non-conference games are Southern, New Mexico, and UAB. Those make a lot of sense. Let's say that those are four wins. You know, your East crossovers are uh, – I know they play Florida. Florida. Uh, Florida and Tennessee. That's tough. Yep. Tough crossovers. And then you've got the West. So I, I – again, I think that there's – a lot of reasons why the hire makes perfect sense, but I do think that there's some cause for concern that Brian Kelly will be able to recruit at the level that LSU expects going against Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher. Um, really, that that's the main ones, right? I mean, they expect to be at that level. And, and, and yeah, in the West, and then you have Kirby, Kirby Smart in the, in the East. Uh, yeah. As well, so it's. Yeah. I, I don't know. He, I don't know how patient LSU is going to be. That that's my thing. Is if if because six and six seems, you know, like it maybe maybe it happened. Maybe it doesn't. Um, I mean, they have talent. It's just you you go through the schedule in the last two years. They've kind of been underwhelming. You're right. There's. You know, outside of, of maybe Auburn, but they have to go to Auburn in that game, and that series is always crazy. Um, yep. So you know, it's how much uh, how much patience do, does each have? And going back to Florida and Billy Napier, the reason he's in and um, the previous coach is out was because the, the the previous coach couldn't recruit, and he made some crazy comments that you know, recruiting doesn't matter. And it, it really rattled the cages of, of boosters. And it, it's not something you could say in the SEC is, hey, you know, we're not worried about recruiting right now. You should always be recruiting. And, you know, whether it's that comment or just the underperformance at Florida, um, got him canned, uh, got the, it was Dan Mullen, wasn't it? Um, yep, Dan Mullen, yeah. Got yeah. Dan Mullen out there. Uh, he but, his ability to develop, like, his guys, that he would find these diamonds in the rough and develop them, you know, that, that can work for two or three guys out of your class. Yep. That you find these, these projects that you believe in. That's great. And that works for two or three guys out of your class. But if that's half your class and you're landing, you know, outside of the top 30, in terms of national recruiting class, you're, you're not going to last in that conference. No, um, I, I do think Brian Kelly is a good recruiter, but that will not be good enough at LSU. And terrible, I'm terrible dancer. Terrible you know, dancer, good recruiter. Yeah, yeah, and time's going to tell. But as far as this season, which is our, our current discussion – I really, I don't think that it's going to get off to the uh, the type of start that 
that Brian Kelly would be hoping for. Now, he is really going to be judged, I think, starting, yes, it's going to start this season, but I think that they will expect major results next season, uh, 2023. So it's building the foundation this season and building that recruiting base. And then in 2023, it's really got to take off or they'll start asking questions. So um, that one's going to be interesting to watch. Obviously, being in the East, Billy Napier's got a little bit easier going uh, week in and week out. Um, and again, I think the quarterback position, he starts off at a, a stronger base with Anthony Richardson. But um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the Brian Kelly situation plays out. Um, and I think we're going to know within a couple of years whether or not that's a long-term fit. Agree. All right. We're going to pick our road trip destination, TJ. If you had to pick one game in the SEC, and if you pick Arkansas, Texas A&M in a neutral site, um, I'm finding a new co-host. Um, if, uh, if you had to go to one game at any stadium in the SEC uh, this year, where are you going? Uh. I would say I kind of hate that it's on Thanksgiving, but uh, I I think it'd be awesome to see the Egg Bowl in person. Uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, November twenty fourth. All right, I, I'm and that is I, at at Ole Miss, so you get the Grove experience as well, and um, you know I I don't know what kind of stakes are going to be on that one. I think both teams will be firmly in the middle. Going to bowl games, but not really threatening for anything above seven or eight wins. Um, but I think it'll be a really fun game. Yeah, I, I go Ole Miss as well, except I am going on uh, – where is it? Uh, I'm going November 12th, a couple weeks before that, when Alabama comes to town. Uh, it's Lane Kiffin against Nick Saban, so you have – that side show, um, it, it's the the Ole Miss fans are going to be fired up for it uh, as well. And this could be, you know, if Ole Miss is having a really good season, Alabama's gone in there and lost before. So crazy things happen um, in, in that stadium and in that place. Plus, uh, it'll probably be. Yeah, maybe it's a night game and maybe it's one of those uh, CBS 330 games, but you get all day at the Grove, you get the tailgating uh, and just being around that atmosphere for, for an Alabama Ole Miss game would be that that's my pick for, for road trip in the SEC this year. Sounds like we need a, uh, a trip to Ole Miss to, uh, to see our, our good buddy, Nate, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, Old Miss also uh, just won the college men's college world series. So congratulations to them. Congratulations to our own Nathan comp as well. So anyway, that's, uh, that's it for our sec uh, preview podcast, TJ, any final thoughts? Obviously this is a highly competitive league. It's a league that a ton of attention gets paid to, um, on a national basis. I think it's kind of the, 
uh, one of the main hearts of the sport for sure is, is the fan bases in the SEC. Um, while I think it's dismissive to say that, oh, it means more, you know, it's dismissive to fan bases like Texas and Oklahoma and ones in the Big Ten. Um, Texas but, and Oklahoma like, will be in the SEC soon, TJ, and it will just mean yeah, the most. It will. Uh, well, they kind of won't be lying at that point, and the TV contract will will uh, agree. Um, but I think that one of the more interesting parts of this conference to me is even when the quarterback play from top to bottom is not all that convincing, which I think has been the case for the past couple of seasons and will be the case again this year. Um, you know, I, I think they've got some very good quarterbacks, obviously. I mean, Bryce Young at the top of the heap. Uh, but, you know, even some of the schools that are right here in the middle of this league, major questions at quarterback, uh, but they still end up finding ways to be really good teams based on their line play and the speed of really every unit on the team. That's the main thing that jumps off the page when you watch them against you know, other conferences sometimes is just much quicker the SEC guys are at times. Um, but what makes this league really fun to watch is the environments. Um, it's the environments that, that are you know week in and week out you're getting um, with these games. And I certainly am a fan of, of – catching those 3.30 games when I use not playing on, on CBS or, uh, you know, the night games in places like Mississippi State with cowbells being annoying and uh, Georgia in between the hedges with their, their fans that are painted in the black paint with the and, and Tennessee and their mustard light. bottles. Yeah, Tennessee with their mustard bottles and creamsicle uniforms with mustaches and mullets and uh, I mean, look, it's got something for everybody, right? Uh, but I think that what makes this league really fun is those environments on on TV, which is why, again, I think it's understandable why a pro why a, a rivalry like Texas A&M and Arkansas plays on a neutral site. But you watch that game versus watching one at Kyle Field or in Fayetteville, I think it just brings the point home, like keep these home-and-home series alive because it it really is a better product that way. Yeah, I agree. And my final thought on the SEC is I don't really care who who wins the conference. It's probably going to be Alabama and Georgia yet again. I am really, really excited to see – with teams like Tennessee, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, um, Texas A&M to an extent, uh, to see maybe they push the top two. But all these teams in the middle, Florida, LSU, um, all these teams in the middle, see what they do um, and really see, you know, if they're as – if they're as equal or as as close to as what we think uh, to each other as we think, 
there are going to be a lot of great games to watch this fall in the SEC. And that's just, one, it's great for the fans. And two, I think it's great for the sport because the more good games you have on TV, um, the and I, this is not pushing for more conference games. Uh, don't get me wrong on that. But the more good games you have on TV, the more the sport will grow. Uh, and and uh, that's good for everybody. So that does it for our SEC uh, preview. TJ, thanks for joining us. I believe we are off next week. Um with the 4th of July weekend. So enjoy your trip out West to Seattle. Maybe you'll uh, run into some old friends and Kalen DeBoer, Nick Sheridan uh, and William Inge out there. Um, and then the West. Yep. Yep. And then uh, our uh, listeners have a happy 4th of July as well. We'll be back the week after. I, I believe we are previewing Somebody else. Uh, is it the Pac-12? Might be, yeah. Yeah, we'll do another conference preview. We'll have Andy Graham on soon again um, to, to continue ramping up uh, IU-centric coverage. Really, next week off, and then after that, we'll be on uh, every week through the season. So, uh, you know, hope everybody's ready for that. Really, after July 4th, it's kind of – it gets serious. You know, you're looking at – 50, 50 to 60 days left after that before uh, before we're, we're into it against Illinois. So hope everybody has a good week. We appreciate you. Yep, we got ACC and Big 12 uh, July 11th. Uh, if you haven't heard, also Big 10 media days are July 26th and 27th. IU goes on the 26th. We'll have that covered as well. Uh, TJ, enjoy uh, the holiday weekend. Enjoy the travels. And we'll talk to you uh, in a couple weeks. All right, that does it for today's podcast. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe to the Hoosier Huddle podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you have your podcast loaded up to. Uh, please uh, review, rate, subscribe uh, as well. And HoosierHuddle.com has the countdown to kickoff uh, is well underway. We're down to day 66 as of this recording. We also have our preseason uh, previews of IU's opponents. So far out is Illinois and Idaho. And on Friday, we'll have Western Kentucky dropping as well. And we'll go through this the, the schedule every week or so. Um, maybe quicker than that as the season draws a little bit closer. Have a great holiday weekend coming up on July 4th. Uh, be safe uh, with the fireworks and things like that. Uh, enjoy time with family. And we'll talk um, the ACC and Big 12 in a couple of weeks. Thanks for joining us. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. 
a performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. 